We're in a series, like I said, called Loving Our Community. And several weeks ago, we started off by just taking a look at the, the grace and mercy of God through the Apostle Paul out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where he shared with us the six secrets of how to be used by God. Last week, we took a look again at the grace and mercy of God when it comes to our failures through the character of Peter. At the end of the Gospels, we, we saw that Peter did some things wrong. He also did some things right. And we saw how Jesus responded to him. We're, we're taking a look at these, these qualities of God because a lot of people have a poor concept of who God is. They don't understand God's grace and mercy. They don't understand that everything good in their life is the result of God's grace and mercy towards them. They don't understand that, that they're alive because of the grace and mercy of God. They don't understand that the gifts, the talents, the abilities that they use to make a living come from the grace and mercy of God. All the stuff that you and I have come from the grace and mercy of God. And we got a lot of stuff, don't we? I mean, we live in Collin County. Folks, we, we got lots and lots of stuff. One of the most influential um, counties in the nation. Our salvation comes from the grace and mercy of God. Take a look at Titus chapter three and verse five. Jesus saved us not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins and gave us a new life. That's his grace through the Holy Spirit. God is so gracious and merciful that he came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. He came to earth on a mission to show God's love to save us. And Jesus stated that right up front in his ministry. He said, this is the purpose for which I'm coming. Take a look at Luke 19, verse 10. I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. That is the ultimate expression of God's grace and his mercy. It's why we celebrate Christmas and Easter as well. He came to seek. That's called Christmas. He came to save. That's called Easter. The grace and mercy of God is celebrated in the church in those two big events and really every day because he came to save us. You see, in God's eyes, there are only two kinds of distinctions. Two kinds of distinctions that really matter. You are either saved or you are lost. All of us fit into one of those two kinds of categories. Ultimately, no other distinction matters. It doesn't. Your gender doesn't matter. Your race doesn't matter. Uh, your education, your wealth, uh, your, your religion doesn't matter. God says you are either saved by God or you are lost to God. Now, a lot of times when we think of this aspect of being lost to God, we consider it to be a put down. Well, they're lost. It's not a put down at all. Both saved and lost imply love. Truly, it implies that someone cares. Someone is saying, you know what? You matter to me. You're valuable. You're, you matter to me so much that I'm willing to seek after you and to save you. And so I want you to understand this big rock that we're going to be talking about today. And it is this. Lostness implies value. If I am spiritually lost, it doesn't mean that, that I'm not valuable. No. I mean, think about it like this. 
Unvaluable things we misplace. Valuable things are lost. Folks, I misplace a lot of things. I misplace paper clips, toothpicks, Kleenex boxes. The Pfizer's are known as the honkers, so we have Kleenex boxes in every room. But when, when I misplace a Kleenex box, I don't go to seek and save it. Why? Because it's not that valuable. Let me give you another example here. I've had people, business people, give me expensive pens as gifts, Mont Blanc, but I don't use them because I am known for losing valuable things. I use, you see that pen in front of you that you should be taking notes with? I hope you're taking notes, okay? I had an eight-year-old come up in the first service and she was so proud. She stayed in the service and she, she took notes. Can you see that? I said, you're better than most adults. But I use these uh, 19 cent pens because when I misplace them, no big deal. It's just my contribution to the world. Let me give you another example. This wedding ring is really valuable to me. I can guarantee you this. If I lost this, I'd be history. I would not be here, okay? And this is valuable because it represents 43 plus years of blood, sweat, and tears. All on my part, okay. If it disappeared, folks, it wouldn't be misplaced. It would be lost. Here's another one. Have you ever misplaced a loved one? No. Maybe your loved one passed away. They died. And what do you say? I lost this loved one to cancer, to a heart attack, or to an accident. Why do we say it like that? Because things of value, we lose. Things that are unvaluable, we misplace. And so whether we talk about being saved or being lost, both of those terms have tremendous value. So this weekend, I want us to take a look at the grace and mercy of God by asking three questions. What do I lose when I am spiritually lost? How does God respond in his grace and mercy towards me? And then how can I experience God's grace and his mercy? Now, fortunately for us, the answer to that, the answer to those questions is all found in one chapter of the Bible. It's found in Luke chapter 15, which is commonly referred to as the lost and found chapter of the Bible. In that chapter, there are three stories. The lost sheep that were, that were, that were found, or that was found, the, the lost coin uh, that was found, and then the lost son that was found. And so Luke 15 is commonly known as what? The lost and found chapter. Now, in these three stories, there is a common theme, and it is this, you matter to God. In the story, there's the shepherd, the woman, and the father. They represent God. The sheep, the coin, and the son represent you, and they represent me. Now, if you don't know these stories, if you haven't read them in a while, I'm going to give you Pastor George's cliff note version of these three stories. The sheep is the first story. 
And there was this shepherd that had a hundred sheep and he decided to take them out of the ranch, out of the stalls and take them up to the hills so that they could graze for the day. At the end of the day, he brings them back and he is counting the, the sheep, 97, 98, 99. No 100. Count us again, 97, 98, 99. They're not there. This shepherd counts the sheep. Why? Because sheep count. I would have you know that LifePoint Church counts people. Why? Because people count. This shepherd knows that one of them is lost, and so he goes out searching. People ask me, George, why do you have such a big emphasis on reaching people in our community? Why can't we just be satisfied with who we are and what we have? It's because people count. Our, our culture has changed within the two miles of this place. So guess what? God has called our church because People count of different faith backgrounds. Hey, we want to get to know them. We want to build a relational bridge. We want to introduce them to Christ. This shepherd goes out and he searches. He finds this lost sheep and he throws a party. Celebrate good times. Come on. Dun, 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 dun. Come on, you can get into this. this. This is a great story, okay? Everyone comes to this party. The second story is about the lost coin. And Jesus says there's this woman who just throws money around. I'm sorry, that's what Jesus said. That's a joke. This, he says this lady has 10 valuable coins. He, she probably had them on the table. And one of them gets lost, probably in the cushion, uh, in the couch, under the cushions. You know, that's where most money is lost, right? When she finds out that one of them is lost, she doesn't go, you know, I've got nine, that's good enough. No. She turns that house upside down. This woman is gonna find that valuable coin even if it kills her or her husband in the process. She finds it and she throws a party. Celebrate good times. Come on, we should do a wave right now, okay? The third story is the lost son or the prodigal son. And the story goes like this, that there's this wealthy father and he has two sons. The younger son is rebellious. And one day he comes up to him and he says, hey, I'm out of here. I want you to give my inheritance right now. I'm not waiting for you to die, you old thing, you, okay? And so he, his dad says, okay, you can have it. And so he, off he goes to live a wild life. He gets on his Camelac. He goes down to Deep Ellum, okay? He lives the wild, wild life with women gone wild. He wastes all of his money on loose women until he runs out. And he has to take a job at a pig farm. And for a Jew, let me tell you, that's the bottom of the rung, okay? While he's there, he thinks, you know what? My servants or my dad's servants are better off than I am. I'm gonna go back and I'm just gonna tell him I just wanna be a servant in your household. And so he comes back and he tells dad his plan and his dad says, no way in the world, Jose. He hugs him, he gives him a kiss, he puts a ring on his finger and he throws another party and he sings, celebrate good times, come on, bah, 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 bah. okay? My son was once lost, but now he's found. Now, in these three stories, there is a common denominator beyond things lost and things found. And what is it? It's a party. All three stories, there's a party. 
Why? Because God wants to communicate, you matter to me. Out of his grace and his mercy towards you in coming to seek and to save that which is lost, he wants to communicate, you matter to him. Now, if you are disconnected from God, if you don't have a relationship with God, what happens in your life? Why is this so worth celebrating? What what do you actually lose? Well, in these three stories, there are five things that you and I lose when we are not connected to God. And the first one is this, I lose my direction. This is found in the story of the sheep. Now, understand something about sheep. They don't lose their direction intentionally. They just naturally wander off, okay? They just, they kind of go here, they go there, they go somewhere else, and before long, they don't know where they're at, and they don't know how to get home. They're lost. Well, the same is true of our human nature. I know as a kid, I I was lost three times, but I'm only gonna share two. One is when I was two and a half years old, my dad took me to a barber shop, got my haircut, and then he got his, and he wasn't paying attention, and so I wandered out the door. I went two blocks down the street, saw a ladder, climbed up to the second story. Finally, after my dad got his haircut, he realized, where's George? Panicking. If you knew my dad, I mean, he he ran out, George, George, where are you? And of course, I'm up on the two-story building. I'm up here. And he said, how'd you get up there? Get down here right now. And I said, do you want me to jump? I just wandered off. When I was four years old, my mom and dad were doing a road trip, and that's when they had roadside parks, and they, they had a lunch Uh, in the back of the trunk and we parked at this park and there was a playground so I just started playing on the playground we had lunch and afterwards they they pick things up they get me in the car they shut the door and as they're putting the pack the the lunch uh, the lunches and luggage and things like that in the trunk I opened the door and got out and I went and wandered off and started playing on the playground again and and they didn't know they got in the car and they drove five miles down the road before they realized I wasn't there (laughs) hello It's just our nature to wonder. Now, take a look at Isaiah 53 here. I think it's Isaiah. Yeah, Isaiah 53, verse six. All of us have strayed away just like lost sheep. We've all left God's path to follow our own ways. And we will always get lost if we follow our own ways. If we're doing our plan instead of God's plans, I guarantee you this, you're lost, okay? I talk to a lot of people in this community as a pastor who are drifting through life. They have no vision for their life. They have no direction for their life. They have no destination in which they are moving towards. And what is so sad is that they are moving at record-breaking speed, going nowhere. Kind of reminds me of the World War II pilot lost in the Pacific and radios back home. And they asked him, hey, where are you at and where are you going? He says, I don't know where I'm at and I don't know where I'm going, but I'm making record-breaking time getting there, okay? That's what happens. And how it is felt is through hopelessness. That's how we know we have no direction. Now, I'm gonna teach on this in 2018 in the year of hope. Hope, hope, Fullness starts when you and I stop. We just stop and we recalibrate. We make sure we're connected to God on a daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly basis. Secondly, we lose protection. We find this in the story 
with the sheep as well. You see, sheep are vulnerable. They are defenseless. They don't have claws like a lion. And they don't run fast like a gazelle from like, like a lion, okay? When they wander off, oftentimes they get hurt. Take a look at Zechariah 10, verse two. My people are wandering like lost sheep without a shepherd to protect and guide them. Will you circle that word protect? You see, Jesus is our good shepherd, but if you're not connected to him, guess what? You're gonna be eaten alive. And you won't be eaten alive more than likely by a lion, but you know what you will be eaten by, up by? Worry. You will be filled with fear, maybe over your health or your finances or someone in your family or your vocation. Truly, some of us are just one phone call away from just being filled with panic, whether that's from a doctor or whether that's from some boss. When you lose your direction, you lose your protection and you get filled with worry and fear. On the other hand, if you are connected, you know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and been called according to his purpose resulting in peace that passes all understanding because you know that there is a purpose behind every problem. And so how we know that is that we have a sense of fear. The third thing that we lose by not being connected to God is seen in the story of the lost coin, and that is we lose our potential. My potential to do something great in the world. I'm holding a quarter. This quarter's probably been in thousands of hands, maybe even millions of hands. That's why money is referred to as dirty money, okay? You can imagine how many hands and things write that. But this quarter has potential, doesn't it? You put a lot of these quarters together and it has the potential of taking a family to Disney World, which I fully intend to do uh, if there's no hurricanes in November. You put a lot of these quarters together and it has the potential of leaving a legacy, not for my kids because they don't deserve it, but my grandkids do. <laughs> Just giving them fair warning, right? But if I lose this quarter, it does not lose its potential. It doesn't become worthless. It just becomes wasted. It's lost. It's lost its potential. Now, folks, I want you to understand something about LifePoint Church. I never want our church to be a church that's on the corner of a major intersection eating up tax dollars and not making a difference in the community. I really believe every church ought to live beyond its walls and give back because we have been blessed with taxes. Okay, how are we gonna use that money? Let's give it back to the church. Let's give it back to the community. And that is why we do outrun homelessness. And God wants you to make a difference as well. But oftentimes what happens is we listen to old tapes that we have heard maybe while we were growing up. You know what? You're not worth squat. 
You're not, who do you think you are? You'll never amount to anything. All of those things were said to me while I was growing up. And a lot of times we allow those things to filter, replay in our minds to the place where we truly don't think we can make a difference. But God says, you can. Take a look at this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. No one has ever seen or heard or even imagined the wonderful things God has prepared and arranged for those who love him. Folks, that he isn't just talking about heaven there. He's talking about the here and now. And he's saying, you can't even imagine what I'm gonna do in you and what I'm gonna do through you if you just stay connected to me. Uh, get connected and stay connected on a, on a daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly basis. The fourth thing that I lose, that we see in these stories, is I lose my happiness. And we see this out of the story of the lost son. The Bible says this rebellious son went out and he wasted his inheritance. And he lost what God intended for him to have, happiness. Take a look at Luke 15, verse 14. The younger son wasted all he had been given and eventually he became miserable. Will you circle that word? And lonely. Now, I'm gonna say something, and I want you to take note of this. Nothing destroys happiness faster than conflict in relationships. And that's what was going on with this rebellious son. He was in conflict with his dad. And so I say it again, nothing destroys happiness faster than conflict in relationships. That's why this year we're offering 911 marriage stuff. And if you're having issues in your marriage, you ought to get there. Because it's just robbing you of your happiness. When I think of that, I think of, I think of Hollywood, okay? Hollywood is just, these start, they're just rich, but they're miserable, aren't they? Because they don't know how to build lasting relationships. And I believe that's because they're not in harmony with God. If you're not in harmony with God, how in the world can you be in harmony with other people? I don't believe that you can. And so it destroys or creates strained relationships. My question to us is this. Do you feel close to God? Are you living in harmony with God? If you're not, guess what? He didn't move. He's still where he has always been. He is unmovable. And so I lose my happiness and what, what I sense is, is loneliness in my life. The fifth thing that I lose is my home in heaven. When I am spiritually lost, I lose my home in heaven. And this is how this works. God allows you free choice. He allows you to, to say, you know what? I don't want to love God. I don't want to worship God. And he gives you that freedom because if it was forced for you to love him, it wouldn't be real love. Real love gives people the choice to love or not love. Now the problem or the challenge is this, though we have this freedom to choose, sometimes we choose wrong and we just thumb our nose at God our entire life. And God says, fine, you can have it your way because God truly is the ultimate Burger King guy, okay? And yet eventually you will die and you will stand before God and he's gonna say, you clearly didn't want me in your life while on earth. 
So I'm sure you don't want to be with me for all eternity. Fine, you can have it your own way. It makes no sense to reject God's grace and his mercy and his love and his will for your life and those things all of your life. And then when you die, oh, I want to be in God's house right now. If I, didn't, if I don't like God now, what makes me think that I'll like God then? I won't. And that is why I believe there are no rebellious kids in heaven. And Jesus warned us about this. In Luke chapter nine, verse 25, he said this, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world if he loses his soul? You see, what are you acting like is more important than eternity? Now, in these three stories, they actually tell us the reasons and the ways that people become spiritually lost. Like sheep, we can be lost by nature. We just have something within us. We just kind of like to wander off the path. Like coins, we can be lost by circumstances. Something can broadside us that we're not even aware of. And, it, and we get hurt by it. And instead of running to God, we run away from God. Can I say this? Don't do that. There are forces that are seeking to keep you, keep you from being connected to God. And then, like the sun, we can be lost by choices. I'm gonna do it my way. I'm gonna do what I wanna do, when I wanna do it, where I wanna do it, and with whom I wanna do it. So I lose all of these things. But the one thing I don't lose is this. Will you write this down? I don't lose my value. I may be lost spiritually, I may have lost my direction and have a sense of hopelessness. I may have lost my protection and have a sense of fear. I may have lost my potential and have a sense that my life is insignificant. I may have lost my happiness and, and have a sense of loneliness. I may have lost my home in heaven and have a void in my heart, but I have not lost my value. Though we have lost all the, though we have all been disconnected by God, by nature, by circumstances, by choices, and though we have lost those five things, we have not lost our value. And the good news is this. Because of God's grace and God's mercy, he sent his son to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, and to resurrect, to show you and I, we matter to him. And he didn't wait for that to happen. He took the initiative. So what does salvation mean? How does God save me? Well, folks, there are a lot of words out there, I mean, salvation is like a diamond that is multifaceted, and there's a lot of words that describe it. Words like forgiveness and freedom and fulfillment and pardon and power and peace. But in this story, there are three aspects of salvation. Rescue, recover, and reconnect. First, salvation rescues me from myself. And you wanna know something? 
I need to be rescued from myself more than I need to be rescued from anything else because I am my worst enemy. I've had people come into my office, Pastor George, I just don't understand. I got all these problems. I mean, I guess I've had five relationships in three years, Pastor George. I just don't understand. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna give you three guesses and the first two don't count, okay? We need a savior. Notice this in 1 Timothy 2. Jesus is the only one who can bring us to God. He became a human and gave himself to rescue all of us. Will you circle that phrase, to rescue? Some of us here may be saying, well, I don't need to be rescued from anything. Really? Seriously? Do you really believe that? You don't need to be rescued from worry or from pain or from anxiety or from a lack of confidence? I mean, you, you don't need to be rescued from any of those kind of things? If you truly think that, then you're not facing reality. And that is a sign of mental health, mental health or mental illness. You see, the problem is that we try to solve our own problems. But instead of trying, we ought to trust. Take a look at Psalms 50, verse 15. Trust me in your times of trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. Secondly, salvation recovers my potential. When you get saved, you move from category A, lostness, to category B, saved, and all of a sudden, you get God's potential back. Jesus spoke about this in Luke, or Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and worn out from caring too much. Learn to trust and rest in me, and you'll recover, will you circle that word, your life. You see, the question I ask is, what coins have you lost in your couch under your cushions? Pastor George, I've lost my confidence. Pastor George, I've lost my joy. I've lost my hope. I've lost my dream. Jesus did not come back just to rescue you. He came back also to recover what you've lost. You see, a couple observations about coins is this. A coin that's lost doesn't know that it's lost. Still has its potential, but it doesn't know that it's lost. And that coin can't recover itself. It has to have someone bigger who will reach down, look for it, find it, get it, and help it realize its potential. The same is true for you and me. We don't realize that we need to be saved. And we don't realize that we can't recover ourselves. That it's gotta take someone bigger than us to reach down and to pull us up and to help us become all that God has intended for us to be. Joel speaks about this in Joel 2. I will restore what the locusts have that's it. Oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, I will give back what you've lost in the years when the locust ate all your crops. You see, when someone is eating, when some locust or grasshopper is eating your profits or your beauty or your health or your finances, who's going to restore them? God says, I'm big enough to do it. Third thing, salvation reconnects me to God. 
And the, the word reconnect is reconciliation. It's like two parties that are at war with one another and decide to now become partners and be at peace. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 5. Anyone who connects to Christ becomes a new person. The past is forgotten and everything becomes new. God has done it all. He sent Christ to make peace between himself and us. He is the reconnecting peace. He's the one that has taken down the barriers so that these parties, God and ourselves, can be at peace with one another. And so, that's what God does. He's the glue. He's the one that helps you and I reach our potential. And I am proud to be partnered with seven organizations in Collin County, four of them, four other ones in the coalition who understand the value of every person in our community, those that are the least amongst us whom I happen to label as the homeless. And today, we've got a great gal in the way of Janet who's a part of Agape Resources. So I want you to give her a great welcome. Here's Janet. I'm gonna steal a little thunder from Janet, okay? Janet, go ahead and sit down here. Um, she's a jewel. She, she just became one of our partners here this past year. And boy, have we been blessed, okay? Honestly, uh, when we got together to do this um, grant thing for Toyota, I mean, Janet just came on board, okay? And we called all the different partners. Hey, are you guys applying for this, you know, grant? And, and many of them said, yeah, we are, but we found four of them that weren't. And Janet was one of those. And so we get all together. What are we gonna do? This kind of thing. We came up with this plan. But then there was the big question. Has anybody, of, any of us here written grants? Because we sure haven't like this. That grant was written by Janet, okay? So she gets big kudos. You go, girl. So I love Janet, okay? But Janet, uh, we always like to put a little flesh to the, to the person who's you know, kind of representing this uh, partner that we have. So tell us your story. I, you've got a fascinating story. I, I, I was enthralled the first service. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you guys for inviting me to come and share a little bit about what Agape does. And thank you even more importantly for including us in this amazing group of agencies that uh, at, at our heart and in our core, our goal is to um, find the lost and, and make sure that they understand how worthy they are. And it's an amazing collaboration and it's amazing partnership. And I love that uh, LifePoint is, is proactively doing that because somebody's got to do it. Otherwise, it won't. It won't get done in God's time, right? That's right. Right? So... Um, Pastor George was asking me a little bit, well, how did you come to be in Agape and how did you, you know, what is your journey like? And so I was telling him a little bit about my journey. It's a, it's a, a weird one. This is not my first career and probably not really my second career, truth be told. But so I'm a CPA by, uh, by, by education and by original practice. And I went into public accounting and, and, and liked it okay. And my journey took me into actually starting my own CPA firm in uh, a, a boutique firm in forensics and fraud investigation and all kinds of stuff like that. And I really found out, you know, I am actually pretty good at this. And so here's this boutique firm in Dallas, Texas, run by a woman in the good old boy capital of the world and um, in law. 
another sort of good old boy, real estate, banking, all those things. And, and we were actually doing really well. We were being very successful. And so I was really, uh, really enjoying that. And I was raising two kids and, and I was blessed to be uh, raised in, in, the, in the church. And my family was very, very religious and, and, and all, everything was going really well. My kids were great. The job was great. But you know what? I, I was lost. So I, actually, I was sort of listening to your uh, sermon earlier. She gets a, a sermon, gold star for that. Sermon, sermon listening. <laughs> because I, I had lost my direction. I thought I was doing really well, but it, it wasn't really enough. It was really kind of empty. And so I was raising my kids in the church and, and making, making sure they did all the things that, that they're supposed to do. And one of those things was mission trips. And so when they got old enough to go on mission trips, I went with them. Yeah. I thought this would be really good. So the, the very first one uh, was down to Nuevo Laredo, Mexico, and we were building houses for homeless women. Hmm, what a coincidence. And uh, crossed the border and got to go out and meet the first uh, ladies that we were going to build a house for, the one that I was going to build. Her name was Elizabeth. And when we drove up to this land, as it was a piece of dirt, actually, uh, where she was, we, we drove up and we saw what she was living in at that point was really, she lived under a blanket with four sticks and a water barrel, a bucket really, filled with water, not very clean water, that they had walked miles to get. And, and that's all they had. She had three or four kids running around, little bitty kids and a single mom and her blanket and her sticks and her water. And that's all she had. That's all I could see that she had. When I got to know her, what I found out was she had the most amazing and incredible faith in the world, really. She always had a smile on her face, and she was always praising God. And I got to know her, and we were building the house together. And, and what, what I came to learn was that she had been praying for two years for someone to come and help her have a home for her kids, that safety, right, that security. Didn't know how it was going to happen. That didn't matter to her. She just had this undeniable faith that God would provide what she needed. Little did she know it would be this busload of, of kids from West Plano who had everything and yet went down and realized they didn't have what matters most. And, and that's that unshakable faith that God will, God will provide. And so that's when God really started to plant the seeds that I might, I might have what I thought was success but there really was this emptiness. And so each year that, that, that yearning for God got more and more and more and more until finally I, I, an, I answered uh, the, the, the call to go to seminary. And, but, but I still had my business and I was still committed to uh, living the life that I thought I was supposed to live and had this agreement with God is I'm going to go to seminary. I'm going to raise my kids in the church, but I'm not going to become a pastor. And so long as you understand that, we'll be good. We'll be good. You know, this deal with God that, that I made, we'll be good. So I started seminary, and I loved it, loved it, and um, still said, okay, I do love it. You're right, but I'm not going to do it. So that next summer, I um, led a pilgrimage to Israel, and um, the most amazing things happened when, from the time I stepped off the plane. I mean, the air was different, and the Holy Spirit was so thick. And yeah. everywhere we went, everything we touched, Jesus had been there. And, and you could feel that. And it was amazing. And God's voice got louder and louder and louder until finally we were 
we were in the Jordan River, and uh, you, you just, you know, there's that, those times in your life when you just can't say no anymore. And so that's when I was found. I just love her. So I um, actually came back and agreed to, to go into the ordination path, and, and now I am an ordained minister, and I've closed down my practice, my firm, and never looked back, never regret at all. And so now uh, part of the way I answer my call is, th is through the agape ministry, finding, finding the lost yeah. and sharing God's word that they are each and every one of them precious and important and Tell special. Us about that. So Agape Resource and Assistance Center, we're not very old. We're not even four years old yet. And uh, we provide housing first for homeless single moms and single women and their kids. That's the first thing we provide. And we get them in, we get them stable, but then we, we begin to wrap around them all the things that, that somebody needs in order to uh, dig out of this, this terrible this terrible situation of homelessness. And, and part of that is counseling, and part of it is casework, and part of it is childcare, and cars and transportation. And those are just the physical things. But what we provide each and every day is the assurance that God loves you just the way you are. God loves you. Well, back when we were, we were beginning, we, did, we was 100% volunteer. We didn't have any paid staff. And so it was really one day at a time. And we would ask God and God would provide. And this is the, this is the way we had. We didn't have, we had one house, two beds and a cradle. And then we expanded into a, an old office building that nobody wanted. It had been vacant for four years. And so we made an office out of part of it. And we were trying to remodel the other half of it and to be a home. We weren't there yet, and I, I got this phone call from a police officer, Plano police officer, it was a woman, and she was trying to find a safe, stable place for a victim that had, uh, she'd been called upon to serve, and the victim was at that, at that time in the hospital, and this victim was trying very hard to escape trafficking. She had been abducted into trafficking at the age of 15, and th this was long time after that, and so had been under the thumb and oppressed and things done to her that are unimaginable, and uh, she, she was trying to get out, and she needed a safe, stable place to go, and at that point in time, we, we were full. We turned away, on average, 10 to 15 women a week and still do that, um, and we didn't, we didn't have any place, but not only that, that, that is a level of trauma that we didn't, we were volunteer. You know, I'm a CPA. They don't teach that at CPA school. Um, I, that, I, don't, I don't know how to deal with that. I'm not equipped to deal with, with that. And so I said, you know, I, we, just, we just really can't. And, and so she was a woman of God, the police officer. And she goes, well, will you, will you pray that we find the right place? And I said, that I can do. So we began to pray together. And Time went on, and the next week she called me, and, and uh, we had been praying, and she called me, and, and uh, I don't, she, she was crying. This, the police officer was crying on the phone, and I don't, you know, I don't know about you, but 
I don't encounter police officers that cry. You know, you, the police officer pulls you over to give you a ticket, they're not crying. <laughs> they're not. I'm, you know, I'm the one that's crying. But anyway, it's, she, she's an amazing woman of God, and she goes, I've tried everywhere, I've asked everywhere, but no one has room and no one will take her. And I'm telling you, Janet, if she goes back on the street, he will kill her because she's trying to escape. And, and by the way, she was abducted, church, right here in the Metroplex at the age of 15. And this had been 20 years later. And so he will kill her. And so, you know, what do you, what do, you do with that? You, you just say, okay, we'll figure it out. God will help us and we'll figure it out. So we didn't have a place, but we appealed to one of our partners, Hope's Door. Hope's Door found her a place for 30 days. We called all of our supporters and all of our contacts and we said, we, we have this office building, we're turning into a townhome, can you help us? We have about 30 days. And lo and behold, they brought their checkbooks and they brought their paintbrushes and they brought their hammers. And in, in almost 30 days, we had, uh, we had that, that place um, ready to go. And so I, I had the opportunity to meet this young woman. So the police officer brought her over to our office and she walked in the door and immediately fell into a corner and put, lifted up her knees and covered her head and just sat there and sobbed and would not look at me. And I have just never seen someone so very broken. She didn't feel like she was worthy to even be coming to our place. She wouldn't look at me because nobody could possibly want to take care of me. Nobody could possibly love me because of all the different things I have done. And, and she had been under this oppression of trafficking for so long that she believed it was her fault. And she believed that uh, everything she did, all of this was a punishment because of what a, a, an evil person that she had been. And so we began immediately telling her, no, you are a beloved daughter of God. You are a precious and beloved daughter of God. And, and we would tell her that each and every day. And so pretty soon she would, she would come up. She still wouldn't look at me, but she would talk to me. And she actually was a Christian. She just believed at that point in time, and this is what she told me, mm -hmm. that God decided that some people got good and some people didn't. And it, that's just, she had done all these evil things, so of course she wouldn't get good. I said, no, that's not the way it is. God loves you no matter what. God could never love me. Look at all the bad things I've done. No, God loves you, forgives you. Christ has already, already paid that price for you. Why don't you do this for me? I said to her, why don't, why don't you keep an open mind and let's go visit some churches and let's sit among people, the people of God, and you will see that each and every one of them have been lost. Each and every one of them have done bad things, but God doesn't care because God loves you. So this is what I wanted to tell you. She did. She called around churches here in Plano. This was two or three years ago, not two years ago, I guess, and uh, found a church and talked to a person over the phone, and they convinced her that she would be loved, that she was already loved, and that they would love on her if she would just come. And so she asked me, and I said, I'll go with you. So I want you, I want you church, to know that she called this church, this church. And so we walked in the doors, and we were immediately loved on, and she, she just melted in the music and the lights because see we could sit in the back of the church and, and, and she could just feel the love of God and, and, and not be about herself but be about God 
And I was, I was telling Pastor George earlier that I, I'm sorry, I don't remember what you preached on that day. I'm sure it was really important. But what I was watching was this woman begin to believe that she was a beloved daughter of God. And she uh, began, to, began to realize that and began to own that. And her trafficker actually found her at Agape and began to stalk her. So we had to move her out of state, but I've, I've kept in contact with her. And at the end of her uh, next journey, we were talking on the phone, and, and she, she said one thing that I believe this church was a part of. She said, I'm so thankful God didn't give up on me. Amen. Didn't give up on me. So you all made that happen. Janet, thank you. You are a jewel. Let's give it up for Janet, okay? Thank you, Janet, for all you do. Love you. LifePoint Church, I love you. You opened your heart to the hurting and the helpless and the hopeless and the homeless. And if it was just done for that one person that came, it was worth it. If you need to experience the grace and the mercy of God, in the story of the lost son, I'm gonna wrap this up in three words. You can write these down. You gotta get fed up, you gotta own up, and you gotta offer up. You gotta get fed up. The son said that he came to his senses. And you gotta come to your senses that the life you're living isn't all that God wants. You've gotta own up. The son said, I've sinned against God and against you. And you gotta come clean with God. God, I'm a sinner. I did this and this and this. And then you gotta offer up. He said, make me a servant. And that is all about the Lordship of Christ. And that's why we do what we do. Because we, don't, we only believe what we do. We can talk all we want about loving our community, but it is only talk until you and I get out there and do something. And so what we're doing in this series is we're running. I want you to sign up. And it's gonna be a family event. We're gonna have six, seven different activities for kids. We're gonna have two food trucks. They're gonna have creepies, I mean crepes. And, and we're gonna have student activities and we're gonna run and we're gonna raise some money and we're gonna bring some awareness to this thing. And we're gonna have a blast as a spiritual family. So let's, let's close in a word of prayer now. Lord, I just really thank you that you are a God of grace and mercy and that you demonstrated that in the best way possible by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to live that life of perfection for us, to die on the cross for our sins and to be resurrected from the grave so that we can know that when, as we've put our trust in him, we are heaven bound. And yet, God, you just haven't saved us so that we can sit so sour and spew you have saved us, that we might be instruments in your hands, that we might show your grace and your mercy to everyone in our relational world. And I thank you for Janet. And I thank you for Epi. And I thank you for Melanie. 
And I thank you next week that we're going to get to talk to Sheila. God, you are so good and you work and you've taken us out of our lostness and you have helped us to discover what your purpose is for our life. And I thank you specifically for Janet. God, I don't know that we'd have that grant if it wasn't for her. That's so cool, God. So we give you this, God. We give you our lives. We offer ourselves up to you. Use us this week. Make us difference makers. In your son's name we pray. Amen.